You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Parsnip Ship. My name is Ivan E. Debery. And I'm Ari Borlaug. And we're here tonight in Brooklyn, New York at Cloud City. And what play are we going to hear tonight, Ivan? Tonight we are listening to Annie Jump in the Library of Heaven by Raina Hardy. Before we hear Annie Jump in the Library of Heaven, we wanted to sit down with Raina and talk a little bit about your process. Um, can you give us a little insight into how you built the world of this play? Yeah, definitely. Um, so... I wrote this play super quickly uh, in August over three days uh, while the Perseids were falling, which is which is, that's a good bit of trivia uh, that you'll learn when you hear the when you hear the play, um, and uh, I was inspired by a couple of things that kind of came together. Um, this uh, notion of um, the universe uh, evolving life in a way to evolve its own consciousness, which is a thing that sounds like super high, but is a, a thing that scientists say. Um, <laughs> and um, this story that I'd heard about a man who um, maintains a website asking aliens to contact him. And I heard about these two things kind of disparately like over a couple of years and uh, a couple of years apart. And um, Just this one summer, I've been thinking a lot about the universe <laughs> and uh, these two things kind of smashed together and I saw these two girls, right, Annie and Elfia, and, uh, um, and I saw their friendship and uh, this sort of world uh, in which um, learning was this great adventure. Mm. And uh, then I wrote the play like that. It was real fun, real fun to do. I would highly recommend it. Did you sp spend a lot of time editing, excuse nah. me, editing after that? Or was it like three days of pure genius vomit? Three days of perfect. pure genius vomit, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I've, I've gone through a lot of workshops, but, like, after I wrote it, I kind of went immediately into, uh, into, into workshopping it as opposed to spending a whole lot of time getting, like, a... The, the, the draft was... Honestly, when I write things faster, they they often work out a little bit tighter because I don't overwrite as much. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't it doesn't always work that way, but often it does. So yeah, there was there was significant rewriting, but not it, wa it wasn't about pruning down a huge jangly mess. It was about uh, making some judicious some judicious edits. Hmm. Well, it reads very tightly. So whatever small ed edits you made were effective um what do you uh from what i remember from the script i remember the characters being very vivid can you speak a little bit about how you developed the characters of both annie jump and althea i um i i write about people who uh like excite me so um usually I I usually start with a circumstance that they're in and then uh, don't worry too much about anything else. I just kind of see who shows up. 
So uh, I'll, I'll be, I don't want to give it any spoilers away. She's a little bit more complicated. Um, but Annie, I just knew there was a girl in this situation who had, you know, these particular talents. And, uh, and I just kind of let, let her react uh, to the situations that she was in. Yeah. Ivonne, do you have any thoughts or questions? So, Raina, um, how did you come up with this idea of the Library of Heaven? Because um, for me, it's incredibly interesting that there are these two, um, I guess, idyllic spaces that people, you know, want to go to. And they usually can be seen as being, you know, different and I guess dichotomies of each other libraries you know with with learning and knowledge and and things usually rooted in in fact and of course there are stories and storytelling involved but there's also heaven which seems to be much more um rooted in spirituality and this is more of a sci-fi place so how did you like come up with the library of heaven and how did you find the balance of what that was I stole it um, <laughs> I stole the Library of Heaven. Uh, no, um, it, it came from this uh, speculative idea, but no nonetheless an idea that scientists will talk about, that um, intelligent life is the universe learning to think about itself, right? Um, and the name Library of Heaven really came from, I've always had this feeling that in heaven there'd be a library like with every book. And I think I stole that too, like from Neil Gaiman or someone like that, like a library with every book that, that had ever been written and that could ever possibly be written. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. always been a part of my head. So when I, um, you know, like a sort of a part of my personal mythology that I've scraped together from various, from, from various books and stories. So when I uh, decided to, when I, when, I, when I got this idea, again, when I stole this scientific concept and was like, oh my God, what if you really lean into this and make this like this total YA magical thing um, that, that contacts you and asks you to do stuff? Um, Library of Heaven was just the absolute first thing that I thought of. I never considered calling it anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then there's a, there's a lot I could say about... Uh, like the spiritual aspects of the play and how they interact with the scientific mm -hmm. ones. Um, it's, it's, but it's, it's pretty complicated. I, but I, I do think that um, that aspect, like it's, it's definitely deliberate. I think that the library of heaven chooses yeah. that word very carefully. Of course. And then what would you um, in particular, what is like one piece of advice or, maybe a question you've always wanted answered that you would um, want to either contribute to a library of heaven or you would want to know from a library of heaven? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, what would I want to know? <laughs> I, I, I just want to know how to, um, this is, this is going to sound terrible. I just want to know how to save us. <laughs> I want I want us to make it. <laughs> I want us to make it. I just, and I want to know how. I want to know what the problem is. If I ask the Library of Heaven that, they're going to be like, there's no secret, you little idiot. <laughs> it's not, right. that's not a secret. 
there's <laughs> there's not one thing there's not an answer we're going to give you that's going to help you sorry um right but uh that's that's what i would probably ask and i would have and i would have wasted my question <laughs> what would you ask ivan what would i ask um Ooh, that's hard. I think there are a lot of things I would want to ask, but I think similar um, in vain to what Raina would probably ask. And I, I have that same worry that I wouldn't get the the answer I necessarily wanted or it'd be so philosophical, I'd get really mad. Um, but I would want to know how we, um, how we can make the world better. Um, and I guess I'd have to be specific in like, how can we make the world happier? How can we make the world kinder? How can we make the world more at peace with other people? Um, but the, that's probably what I would ask. You should ask it about science, because then maybe we'll get an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'd ask for like a really good recipe, like the best recipe for like scones ever yes and then i would regret wasting it on scones but they'd be really good scones <laughs> probably so. do better than us we'd, we'd get w something we just get I, laughter I, and i'd, get I'd share my scones with you thank you so we'd all we'd all have scones <laughs> speaking <laughs> of scones what did you have for breakfast this morning um i actually had cold pasta but like not cold pasta with like not cold like just plain cold pasta like the pasta was completely plain and i took it out of the fridge and then i put oil and salt on it in the morning and ate cold pasta with just oil and salt that is what i ate that Without is what i ate it. this morning right. and some coffee <laughs> with milk warmer hot coffee or cold cold coffee. cold coffee i have purchased Burp. cold brew in a bottle uh -huh in order to avoid any kind of negotiations with my temporary roommates about coffee-making procedures. I would highly recommend it if you travel. Just go buy the cold coffee concentrate from like the Whole Foods that you, <laughs> you don't have to have <laughs> negotiations with humans about whether or not you use their coffee maker. <laughs> I'm sure they would say yes, but Probably. it's not coming up because I'm not going to ask. Because <laughs> you've got your cold brew. You're good. Um, do you want to ask our, we ask our playwrights two questions. One of them is the easy one. What did you have for breakfast? And the other one is a little more, usually it involves swearing. But Yvonne, do you want to ask this one? Um, yes. So if you had 60 seconds, um, and uh, what are we, uh, I don't even know what to call him. The monster in command. I don't know. Um, that man. Um, if he were in front of you for 60 seconds, what would you say to him? So I was not expecting this question till later. I was going to think about it more. Um, uh, this is really difficult. <laughs> I, um, I, I wanted to do something cute here and like do something strategic, like try to like, like something tricky, like, like try to trick him into, you know, implementing universal health care or like try to draw a wedge between him and Roy Moore um, to see if like he can withdraw his support and throw that Senate election. I'm very, you know, I'm kind of into like little political things, but it's, it's just very like, it's, I don't think that I would be smart enough to be able to trick him or 
and it, it keeps changing what the issue of the day is. I, um, and I don't know, I don't know if anything I could try would work. I don't want to talk to him. I don't have any like emotions. I just want to like feel more safe in the world right now, um, and like do anything I can do to 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 keep us off a road that like the, I don't know. The thing with uh, General Kelly was really spooky to me, um, and but I don't I don't know how to I don't know. Oh God, I'm trying to game this and I have no idea. My 60 seconds are up and like the Secret Service is coming to get me and kill me. Um, I would try to say that this is real and just please think about what we're doing. This is real. All of your actions have consequences. And we're not going to get a do-over on this. Fuck. <laughs> that is real. Well, from there, why don't we hear your beautiful play. So before we do, um, we want to thank Yvonne for uh, signing on from Berlin, where she's uh, doing a program at the Dew School. And do you want to speak a little bit about the program that you're doing on the show? Uh, sure. I um, am in Berlin for 10 weeks. Um, and I am doing a guest three-part and two-part fellowship from the Deuce School. It is called the Future of Audio Entertainment Challenge, and it's a challenge. Where a challenge is we're figuring out what the next thing in um, audio entertainment is, and this week is our challenge week, and we'll present all of our research and our prototypes and the things we've been working very hard and um, pretty nonstop on for the last few weeks. Um, the other part is the Venture Lab, which is um, the venture I'm working on is Parsnipship. So learning um, skills and tricks of the trades and ways to make our content um, obviously more accessible and just, you know, better, higher, um, great quality and content for our subscribers and listeners and any other potential people who are interested and um, have a love for supporting emerging and diverse playwrights through this audio um, this this audio medium that we have going on for parsnipship and so I'll be home before the November episode which I'm excited about and the next 10 months I will be working on on parsnipship and finishing out the rest of my fellow um, fellowship with the Duke School. But it's been amazing, 18 people, 16 countries, we're very international, um, and Berlin is an amazing city to be in, and I'm going to miss it terribly. Well, we miss you, and we look forward to having you back uh, next month. Thank you, and welcome to another episode of The Parsnip Ship. We are here tonight at Cloud City. I'm Ari Borlaug, and welcome to this. <laughs> uh, tonight we're going to be hearing Annie Jump in the Library of Heaven by Raina Hardy, and we're so excited to be joined by Raina today. Thank you, Raina. Thank you. <laughs> oh, stop, stop, stop. 
and I'm going to allow our cast to introduce themselves. Starting with, I guess, Raina, because you're... Oh, right. I'm Raina Hardy, and I will uh, also be reading the stage directions. Hi, I'm Angel Lynn, and I'll be playing Annie Jump. I'm Ben McLemore, and I'll be playing Dr. Jump. I'm Avery Deutsch, and I'll be reading Althea. I'm Nicholas Sanchez, and I'll be reading KJ. Uh, my name is Amanda Salazar, and I am reading for Mrs. Gomez. And we are joined tonight by our musical guest, Benjamin, and his beautiful stylings. Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> sure. Do you have a last name, Benjamin? I I'm do. Sorry, I don't <laughs> know it. You do? As a matter of fact, I do. It's Wiener. Wiener. J Benjamin Wiener. Uh, take it away, please. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. The song is called From Ikea. And I don't have... There it is. said I had a car. I have no car. I lied when I said it wasn't far. It was far. It was very far. I lied when I said that I was dumb. I'm not dumb. I lied when I said where I was from. I'm from the suburbs, but I can build your bed. included oh, 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 oh let me build your bed oh, 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 let me build your bed I lied when I said I had the part I lost the part I lied when I said I didn't fart I did fart I lied when I said I had a band I have no band record deal. I lied when I said I was a man. I am a leopard seal, but I can build your bed. Let me build your bed from Ikea. Give me an Allen wrench. Oh wait, it's included.
jump and to the library of heaven by Raina Hardy. A man stands at a podium. August 10th, 2017, 8.03 p.m. This is the day, this is the year, this is the minute. The minute we knew the answer. Citizens of Strawberry, I am here to tell you we are not alone. For the past 10 years, I have operated Medi.net, a website that invites any alien intelligence monitoring our communications to make itself known via email, telephone, or fax. We have been targeted by a number of jokers throughout the years, but because of the provenance of this communication, I believe it is legitimate. I hold in my hand a fax from an alien life form. Do not laugh at me. This is a mind from millions of light years away that has chosen to speak to us. And I believe I have three minutes left, Chairwoman. Thank you. <clears throat> Humans of Earth, we contact you in peace. We represent an intergalactic federation of enlightened species. Our name translates in your Earth tongue to the Association of Stellar Serenity Healing Across Time Space. Before humanity may join our federation, you must prove yourselves peaceful as well as intelligent. Dr. Jump, as a representative of humanity, we ask you to gather every life form from your small Earth community and bring them to the following coordinates when the meteor display in your area has reached peak visibility. If the life forms are present, displaying harmony, we will reveal ourselves to you. Displaying harmony. I believe the aliens wish us to prove our peaceful nature by raising our voices together in song. The coordinates given are for Hamlin's Field, just outside town. If you have any interest in a world beyond this one, I implore you, come to Hamlin's Field at the peak of the Perseids at midnight in three days and you'll all see it. We're not alone. Thunder, crackling, horrible feedback. The lights go out. Pete, yo, PT. Can you even believe this shiz? I almost peed. Pete, where are you? Annie, wearing a hard hat with a light on it, stands up. Ah! Who are you? I'm the electrician. I'm getting the lights back on. Aren't you a girl? Excuse me? No, I, I, I mean... What are you, 12? I, I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm a little short for my age, but it's temporary. I haven't grown into my feet yet. Oh, I'm a freshman. Also, I skipped a grade. Uh, me too. I've never seen you before. I'm new in town this summer. Are you hanging out with Pete and those guys? We were pranking somebody. I'm kind of like a tech guy, so my contribution was pretty crucial to the success of the project. What did you do? I sent a fax to Christopher Jump. Oh, yeah. Dr. Alien. I guess he's like a legend in this town, has this crazy website asking for emails from little green men, and everyone laughs at him, but he's just like, whatever, I believe. Is he actually a doctor? He has a doctorate. Psychology? Whoa, legit? That's amazing, because he's, you know... <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you hear the name of the Alien Federation? Association of Stellar Serenity Healing Across Time-Space. Asshats. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't notice. So you're, you're from around here? You're like a strawberry? I guess so. 
can you do me a favor and make sure this is grounded? Uh, uh, I'm not really good with wiring. I thought you said you were a tech guy. More computers, programming, software. This is so weird. Huh? You are definitely a girl, but... The lights come on. What? Nothing. You're just surprising, that's all. Surprising in a good way or a bad way? Good way. Definitely a good way. What's your name? Oh, shiz. I totally forgot. I'm not non-functional or, or, or like anything. I'm just a little weird sometimes. I'm Kenneth Jerome Urbanic. My friends call me KJ. What's your name? I'm Annie. Annie Jump. Yeah, so all that stuff was by way of introduction. I'm Annie Jump, and this whole story is about me. I'm 13 years old, I'm about to go to high school in the fall, and I've lived in Strawberry, Kansas for most of my life. My mom is from Chicago, but she's dead now. I don't miss her at all. I'm not mean or anything, I just don't remember. It's not easy being a teenage science genius in a small town, especially when your dad believes in aliens. I try to take comfort in the thought that even if he was totally and completely normal, no one would like me anyway. I mean, I have a 185 IQ, I got a perfect score on the SATs, last year I put a hard-boiled egg into orbit. Do you think there's anything I could do to pre prevent Peter Stockholm and his cronies from stealing my gym shorts besides being totally and completely someone other than me? Didn't think so. Anyway, it might be packed with mouth breathers and oil brats. It might have no Starbucks and only one yoga class a week. Church basement, 5, 5 p.m. Fridays. But if there's one advantage to living in the middle of absolutely nowhere, it's that Strawberry, Kansas has a dark sky rating of two. And on the first night of the Perseids, when the moon is new, there's no city on earth that can compare. If you sneak out of your room and go to Hamlin's Field at midnight and look up, you don't see planes or pollution or glowing buildings on the horizon. You only see stars and meteors and a whooshing whale like an incoming missile grows and grows. What was that? What butt wipe is setting off fireworks during a meteor shower? An explosion. Green light flashes across the stage. Ah! A small round object drops out of the sky and rolls to Annie's feet. She picks it up. It's a pool ball. The eight. The heck? That's mine, you know. A very pretty, nicely dressed teenage girl with a good deal of attitude has appeared. What? That thing you just picked up? It belongs to me. Um... Do you understand American English? It's mine. It came from the sky. Do you want it back? I just wanted you to know it was mine. The teenage girl goes and sits on a rock and begins brushing her hair. Her hair is totally beautiful. Who are you? You can call me Althea. Is that your real name or just something you made up? Do you think I would just go around making up a name like Althea? What are you, an oil kid? An oil kid? The rich kids always have super fancy names. Clementine, Dashiel. Are you new? I just got here. Well, look, I'm sorry to mess up your plans for tonight, but this is my rock. And I have plans of my own, so can you just text whoever it is and tell them to meet you somewhere else? Meet who where? You know... Pete Stockholm or, or Darcy or whichever boy you're planning to make out with. Oh, come on. Don't pretend you're out here to watch the Perseids. The Perseids? The Perseids. It's a meteor shower visible from Earth that comes around once every August. They call it that because... I know what the Perseids are. Sure you do. I know everything you know. 
oh, you don't have to be embarrassed. We all have our areas of expertise. Mine is engineering and astronomy. Yours is, I don't know, hair, boys. I didn't come here to make out with some smelly teenage boy. I came here for you, Annie Jump. Whoa, how do you know my name? Seriously? You threw a pool ball at me. Are you some kind of stalker? No. I'm the visual manifestation of a mindful of an intergalactic supercomputer built and maintained by a collection of the most advanced intelligent species in the universe. You know what? Screw you. You are a terrible human being. I just told you that I'm not a human being. It's not my fault, okay? He's my dad. Ha ha ha, Dr. Alien. But I have to deal with that every day of my life, so you don't have to rub it into my face. I came out here to be alone. I came out here to watch a meteor shower. I didn't come out here to get made fun of by some popular fluffball for something I didn't even do. What makes you think I'm popular? Is it more the clothes or the hair? I'm very <laughs> proud of the hair. Sometimes I wish I was pretty. You can be as weird as you'd like and no one even notices. You're only three-eighths as smart as you think you are, Annie Jump. <laughs> Look, he's talking. The manifestation of a mind furl of an intergalactic supercomputer is talking. I know everything you know, and everything you don't know, and everything you're not allowed to know. I pretty much know everything. You're right. Try me. I'm not as dumb as my father is. Try me. Okay. Who discovered Cepheid variable stars? Henrietta Swan Levitt, the Harvard computer. What's Klepper's third law of planetary motion? The square of the orbital period of a planet is proportional to the cube of the semi-major axis of its orbit. Come on, Annie. This is high school stuff. Fine. What's the initial step, step in Weil's proof of Fermat's last theorem? Give an elliptical curve E over the field Q of rational numbers. For every prime number, there g exists a homo homomorphism from the absolute Galois group. Crap. I told you. I know everything. How do you reconcile quantum mechanics with general relativity? Oh, I can't tell you that. There's a slight chance you'll understand it. Excuse me? I'm not supposed to reveal any truths or any information not currently known on planet Earth. No telling you the answers to the big questions. No giving you alien technologies. It's kind of like my prime directive. No big questions, huh? Well, I can give you one. Are we alone in the universe? Hint, hint. Or you're not. What are you even doing here? I told you, I'm here for you. I know everything about everything, but I also know everything about you, Annie. That's creepy. I know what happened to your mom when you were little. I know your Gmail password. No. Star date 403604. I know your middle school grade and in intermediate Spanish. A minus. Stop it. I know your father used to read to you from A Wrinkle in Time. I know your grandparents sued him for custody when you were three, and again when you were five, and again when you were seven. I know you were a Muppet for your eighth Halloween party. You're a total freak. I can list all of your father's court-ordered prescription meds. I know the only solo you sang in grade school choir. Somewhere out there. Stop it. Just, just, just stop it. Go, go away. Go away. You can't get rid of me, Annie. You're the one. You're the chosen one. Annie runs away. She runs all the way home. She runs inside her room and slams the door. Ugh. If you're trying to get rid of me, you probably don't want to carry the probe around. Ah! There's a knock. Annie? Dad! Is something wrong? No. I thought maybe I could bring you a glass of sugar milk? Sure, Dad. I'll be right up. How did you get in here? I explained this. You have to get out. I'm not allowed to have nighttime visitors. Is that one of your dad's rules? It just seems like a good general rule for a 13-year-old. It's okay, Annie. It's not like he'll be able to see me. I'm just the visual manifestation of... Stop saying that! I will once you get it through your thick skull. Can I use the internet? Please get out. Just, please, please, just, just leave me alone. Hi, Annie. I have your milk. 
and the latest issue of Scientific American. It's got a thing about quantum entanglement and the firewall conundrum in black holes. I know you're mad at me. And I can even understand why you're mad at me. If you have anything to say, you should feel free to say it to my face. Here. I know you prefer that I keep my work on the internet and out of the public space. If the communication in its nature had not necessitated public participation, and I would say I'm sorry, but I cannot be sorry. I will not be sorry. Should it happen that in three days, well, you know, it's simply too important. And I want you to know this has nothing to do with our previous discussion about my medications. Are you taking them? I need you to not ask me that question anymore. It shows a lack of trust that makes you very hard to deal with sometimes. Don't you want to keep me? Annie. Oh, sweetheart. That isn't something you have to worry about. You're my daughter. No one is going to take you away. Dad? (laughs) Do you know what bugs me about lithium? I mean, one of the things that bugs me. It's so old. Only three elements were created in the Big Bang. Hydrogen, helium, and just the tiny bit of lithium. Everything else from carbon to iron to gold had to be cooked up epics later in the hearts of stars. And yet lithium, one of the three oldest things in the universe, is something we put inside this. Really, it's barbaric. It's like doing brain surgery with a large rock. Are you taking them? Of course I am, Annie. Have a little faith in me. Three days. And I'll prove it to you. We're not alone. Whoa, that is a seriously warped situation. Also, your dad's understanding of big bang nucleosynthesis is kind of unnuanced. But what do you expect from a guy with a soft doctorate? He didn't see you. I'm an auditory visual illusion key to your perceptions. I'm invisible to everyone else. How would that even work? Magic. No, it's sufficiently advanced technology. Your internet is kind of slow. I mean, I know this is the boondocks, but someone should apply for a grant or something. Look, Annie, do you believe me yet? Because I'm getting bored with this discussion and I have ground to cover with you. Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is the best. Oh, Quark. You are an audiovisual illusion key to my perceptions. The simplest explanation is that I need help. You think you're crazy? Fine. Go downstairs and tell your dad to call the psych ward. I can beat this. It might even be a good sign. There is a thin crack between genius and madness. Maybe I'm even better at math than I thought. I just have to stay calm and get to a confidential professional of some kind. I am not talking to you, by the way. I am talking out loud to myself. It is totally normal. I went out to see the Perseids and some idiot set off a firework and I found this stupid thing and now I have a fixation on it. I'll take it to school tomorrow and I'll break it open in the lab and I'll prove to myself that it's just an ordinary piece of sporting equipment. Okay, good luck with that. In the meantime, all I have to do is is get some sleep. Uh, I made it for my radiation project at the last science fair. I know it's around here somewhere. Seriously? Doesn't the fact that you are considering putting the probe inside a lead-lined box prove that on some level you know I'm real? I mean, what would it prove? Crazy Annie might need to be tricked, but rational Annie is in charge. Look, this is completely unnecessary. I'll just sit there quietly and use the internet. Annie, come on. If you put me in there and it works, all that it proves is that I'm telling the truth and don't, don't, don't put me in the box. Don't. Annie slams the box shut. Althea disappears. Ha ha! What does that prove? Huh? Oh my god. Lights up on Annie in the school science lab, decked out in full mad scientist gear. Working away at the eight ball with some kind of electric saw of her own construction. Blue sparks everywhere. Althea perches on the table. After a minute, Annie stops, 
picks up the ball and examines it. Nothing, not even a scratch. My hacksaw must be broken. I was really proud of that thing. Okay, different tack. A uh, modern pool ball is composed of phenolic resin, which means it should be vulnerable to aqueous alkaline solutions. That's not what the probe is made of. I am not talking to you. It's a piece of inviolable nanotech. You're only going to hurt yourself if you keep being stupid. And what compounds exactly are used in the piece of inviolable nanotech? I can't tell you. Prime directive. Any alien tech allowed to enter a subject planet must be indestructible, inviolable, and innocuous. It can't arouse any suspicion or be used as proof of our existence to any sentient save the one. That's you, Annie, by the way. Annie submerges the eight ball in a chemical bath. Oh, it burns! It burns! <laughs> nope, sorry. <sighs> I'm going to try another compound. Knock yourself out. Annie, Annie, jump. Yeah? I've actually been looking for you. Who's this geekwad? Kenneth Jerome Urbanic. Present. I didn't know you were in summer school. I am not. You are? It's just the flipping foreign language requirement. I wanted to get it out of the way so I can take more AP classes in the fall. Listen, about what happened the uh, last night. What? The whole thing was kind of weird, and I wanted to make sure you're not, not angry or anything. Tell me you're not mating with this human. No! Okay, because you sound angry. It, w it was nothing, KJ. You can just forget about it. No, I, I wanted to explain. All that stuff I said about your father. It wasn't even my idea. It was Pete's idea, and, you know, this is a new town. This is my chance to make friends. I think we're a lot alike. You're super smart. I'm super smart. We're both huge geeks and kind of weird. Is this like his mutated way of hitting on you? I don't know. So I just want you to know if in the future we're at school and we run into each other and I don't say anything... It's not because I don't like you. I definitely like you. I've never met anyone like you. Wait, what? It's just that I can't afford to screw this up. I might never get another chance to be like one of the normal kids. So, no hard feelings, right? I hope you understand. Tell him he's a cowardly douche nozzle. Yeah, sure. I understand. Awesome. You're a cowardly douche nozzle. I don't believe this. My father brings it on himself. He's crazy. It's no big deal. Uh, aren't some of those volatile? <laughs> I thought you were just a hacker. I'm not ignorant. I'm just not very good with my hands. So are you, like, running an experiment or something? I don't think you're supposed to be doing stuff in here without a teacher supervising. I'm special. Mrs. Gomez gave me a key, but I'm not supposed to tell people about it. Hola! Geronimo! Kenneth, what are you doing in the lab? Students are not allowed Annie to creates an explosion. Oh, <laughs> Annie, it's you. Is she allowed in here? Uh, of course not. Geronimo, I want you to go back to the Spanish classroom and wait for me, okay? I have to talk to Ms. Jump about the many, many violations of school policy she is committing. For real? Vamos, Geronimo. Fine. Great. I was just trying to talk to her. Annie. You said I could. I, I said you could use the telescopes. I didn't say you could mix chemicals. <laughs> what are you even trying to accomplish here? I was just messing around. Messing around? You created an explosion on school property. You could get charged with a crime for that. It goes on your permanent record, and you can kiss your college scholarships goodbye. I'm sorry, I, Mrs. Gomez. I, 
I gave you that key to encourage you because I, I think it's extremely important for young women to become interested in the sciences. It's just that <laughs> you're not the only person having a crappy summer, okay? <laughs> Do you think I want to be teaching Spanish right now? I have a master's in physics. Your father I is hard to deal with. I, I get it. But he's there for you and... Just because he's a little weird sometimes doesn't mean you get to act out. You'd better give me that key back. What about the telescope? That is a privilege you lost. <sighs> I did everything right. It was totally safe. I know you did, Annie, but it's not all about you. That boy that was in here, he's troubled. Okay, he's already been banned from the computer lab for doing some kind of nonsense I'm not even allowed to explain to you. Really? I, I don't want him to get any ideas about chemicals, especially if he thinks some girl can get away with it and he can't. If it were up to me, Annie, you'd have a lab of your own and you'd get to do whatever you wanted in it whenever you wanted because you can do great things. I know you can. Mrs. Gomez, what if I can't? <laughs> what do you want to know? You want to know if you're smart. Annie, you... No, no, I, I, I want to know if I'm like him. Of course you're like your father. You're like everything that's best in him. And what's that exactly? Annie... Every time he gets weird, my grandparents take him to court. I know. Look... Sometimes the thing that makes you want to do something stupid is the exact reason why you have to always be smart. Does that make sense? Not really. I guess what I'm saying is that for some people it's hard. And for some people it's easy. And right now for you, it's hard. And it's unfair. And I can't change that for you. But what am I supposed to do? I don't know. Just not this. <coughs> now, uh, I'm going to have to supervise you while you clean up. If anyone comes in, well, I was in here with you all along. But I am only doing this for you once, Annie. Okay? Okay. Poor Mrs. Gomez. She's so emotionally invested in your progress. If she only knew what I know, it would blow her squishy mortal brain. Please shut up. Excuse me? I didn't say anything. Annie cleans off the probe and sets it aside. Huh. What's this? You're learning pool. I was just running some experiments. Mrs. Gomez starts tossing the eight ball up and down. You really should learn pool. It's a great way to get an intuitive grasp of applied physics. <laughs> Plus, so uh, you can make a little money when you need it. <laughs> well, uh, my, my uncle taught me, and uh, me and my brothers used to go up and down the bars hustling people when we were s teenagers. Uh, I could do all these trick shots, and I... Hey, Occam, razor this. Althea leans over and snatches the eight ball out of the air. Mrs. Gomez looks up. <gasps> as far as she's concerned, the ball is floating. Woo! Althea, stop it! So, 
Huh? Here's the question, Annie Jump. You see a teenage girl playing with an eight ball. Mrs. Gomez sees an eight ball hovering in midair. Are you crazy? Is Mrs. Gomez crazy? Or maybe, just maybe, is something else happening entirely? Mrs. Gomez already thinks you're pretty smart. She's going to think you're a genius now. The eight ball starts to emit a pulsing purple and blue sci-fi light. <laughs> Mrs. Gomez runs out of the room. You're real. It's real. You're really out there. Oh, Annie, I am all the way. Suddenly, they are floating in the black of infinite space. Annie Jump, welcome to the Library of Heaven. What is this? Where did you take me? Nowhere. We're still in the classroom. This is your introductory multi-sensory media presentation. Introductory to what? It's on screensaver right now. Hang on. She makes some swiping motions in midair. Something that sounds a bit like a DVD intro plays, and a male voice booms. The Library of Heaven and You. A super title, also reading The Library of Heaven and You, appears. A media ricochets off its side and falls away in a shower of sparkles. Are you sure we're still in the classroom? I have the ability to put any image at all inside your mind. You haven't moved a step. Ow! What was that? That was a chair. I told you we're still in the classroom. Can't you just move it out of the way or something? The only object I can really manipulate is the probe. Sorry. It's to keep me from going mad with power and taking over the planet. Don't ask me how we knew that was a potential issue. I need to sit down. Oh, good. I'll start the presentation. She makes more swiping motions and the presentation starts. It is accompanied by fantastic zoomy star graphics. The universe, 13.8 billion years old, unthinkably vast, undeniably grand, and almost entirely unknown. Greetings, Earthling. You are here. The graphic zooms out to show the floating Earth. Here? It zooms out again. The Earth is a ball in the solar system. Here. Zoom. The pointer hovers on one arm of the Milky Way. Here. Zoom. The Milky Way is a tiny swirl in a vast field where galaxies are scattered like jewelry on velvet. Does the size of the universe make you feel insignificant? It shouldn't. You are important to the universe. It needs you almost as much as you need it. But why should something like this We zoom out into the entire universe Care about something like this And back in with an arrow pointing at Annie It's very simple The universe cannot see itself Looking out from your watery exoplanet You can observe 10 to the 22nd power of stars Of those stars Redacted Possess exoplanets Of those exoplanets Redacted Are inhabitable of those inhabitable exoplanets Redacted Have acquired self-generating bioforms Of the exoplanets that have acquired self-generating bioforms Redacted Have evolved species capable of looking back at you Somewhere out there, at this very moment A young life form fundamentally just like you Is hearing a presentation exactly like this In a language you can't even imagine Greetings, Annie Jump, chosen one of Earth we are the Library of Heaven. We are a vast brain made up of signals pinged from star to star of wandering probes exploring the infinite night. We contain all scientific knowledge, all culture, all philosophy. It is the one purpose of all life to join us in humble appreciation of the vast wonder of creation. For every intelligent species, there is a chosen one. 
A child of superior mind and determination who, according to our calculations, is capable of developing the technology of intergalactic communication. Once that child is located, he or she is given a guide. The guide will point the way, but the chosen one must make the journey. Annie Jump, the chosen one is you. Tell your guide whether or not you will accept the mantle. You have 30 seconds beginning now. 30. Wait, what? 29. Well, are we going to do this thing? Do this thing? Do what thing? Become humanity's librarian, of course. Oh, by the way, it's not official till I hear you say it, so. Well, what? Better say it fast. You've got like. 22. 22 seconds. I, I can't decide. I just 20. heard about this, like, what? 19. 30 seconds? 18. 18 seconds. Becoming Annie is librarian? A chosen one? I don't even know what that entails. 15. Entails? You want to know 14. what it entails? It entails knowing 13. everything about the world. Geology, 12. physics, mathematics, the stars. 11. Devoting your life to the highest 10. purpose. Becoming the greatest scientist Nine. in Earth's history. And the secret Eight. most important human on the planet. Seven. Learning every answer to every mystery Six. that remains. Oh, hecko, 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 hecko. Annie heck. Jump, Three. chosen one of Earth. Two. Uh, one. Blackout. Lights up. Dr. Jump at a podium. Greetings, citizens of Strawberry. I have requested time at this meeting of the Strawberry Elks to remind you that the last night of the Perseids is tomorrow, and we will be meeting at midnight to raise our voices in harmony, as per the instructions of the extraterrestrial communication. Now, I have provided sheet music for the song we will be singing. It is with your secretary. If you are unable to obtain the sheet music at this meeting, I have filed copies with the Strawberry Public Library. Excuse me, sir. The noises you are making have left me in no doubt as to your displeasure. You do not have to throw things as well. <clears throat> yes, now, as I was saying, despite Mr. Lambert's expressed opinion... I am sure the rest of you can appreciate the importance, the vast, vast, infinite importance of complying with the communication. It is only a little music, but from a little music there can, there can and will come such great things. Mr. Lambert, I've asked you once already, and we will have words about this in the coming age of splendor, technological advancement, and peace. Thank you for your time. Lights up. Annie and Althea by the Stargazing Rock, Daytime. You're going to need at least three units of that. Do you think you can test out of pre-calc? You're kidding. Geology is still a weak area for you. Ugh. Rocks. I want to know what really happens inside a black hole. Rocks first. Is it cool, though? What happens inside a black hole? It is super cool. <laughs> Why does it have to be a kid? The chosen one, I mean. I mean, there are grown-ups who are actually looking for you guys. Not just my dad, but legit scientists. Okay, thought experiment. Say I roll up to Jill Tarter and I'm like, yo, alien intelligence here. What happens next? Um, I don't know. What happens if she tells somebody? Um, it's the biggest media story ever and everyone freaks out and probably sets off some bombs or something. What happens if you tell somebody? They laugh at me. Exactly. Plus, we get you young and we can mold you into whatever we want. So you won't tell me the answer to any big questions? Not won't. Can't. It's against my programming. It'd be even harder than letting another person see me. Can you tell me if I'm on the right track? That's kind of a gray area. Okay, so unified field theory. Ew. I, I just want to know if quantum mechanics can be reconciled with general relativity. It's cute that you even think that's a problem. String theory. Is string theory even provable? <laughs> OMG, you are adorable. Is it remotely close? On the right track? <laughs> I'm guessing that qualifies as a no. Little vibrating donut. Uh, shh, someone's coming. I don't need to shush, I'm magic. Hey. 
Hey. Hey. Who are you talking to? My imaginary friend. Are you a math genius? You always have the eight ball. Is it lucky? Tell douche nozzle there's no such thing as luck. No, I'm just thinking about learning to play pool. It gives you a great intuitive grasp of Newtonian physics. Mind if I sit down? Um, yes. Uh, I guess not. This is a pretty great rock. Pretty great. At night, it'd be perfect for seeing stars. Did you know that we're all made of stars? Yeah. The Big Bang theory, the Big Bang only made helium and hydrogen and a scooch of lithium. Everything else had to be cooked up through astral nucleosynthesis. Okay, I'll tell you what's happening now. You are being pushed around by someone who thinks he is smarter than you, but is actually less smart. And you are just sitting there and taking it. You get that chosen one? This does not bode well for your career in the sciences. But he's mouthing off like he's the first person to watch Nova. He played a really mean prank on your dad, and he's not even cute. Why are you talking to him? It goes hydrogen, helium, carbon, wait, no. Hydrogen, helium, wait, no. Helium. Shut up, shut up, shut up. But I would. Just stop talking. Okay. First of all, stop screwing up the curve of binding energy. Second of all, why do you think your crappy explanation of nucleosynthesis is going to impress me? Why do you think you can use science I already know as a pickup line? And even if that did impress me, which it doesn't, even if you were cute, which you're not, you are not a good person. You are being really, really, really mean to my father, not just some rando, but to my dad. And it wasn't even your idea. You're weak. You're a follower and you have no freaking empathy. And let me tell you something about Dr. Alien, okay? He may be crazy, but he's not a cynic. He's willing to believe in something bigger than himself, and that makes him closer to greatness than you. You will never be anything, Kenneth Jerome Urbanic. So why don't you just run to your little friends and come up with more little schemes to make Peter Stockholm giggle? I have real work. Okay. Yeah, I can take a hint. You're wrong about me, you know. Yeah, where's the evidence? Right. Well, I'll let you... Okay. That was way harsh. Are you sure that you did it? Kathy, I'm 13. Can we just please stop talking about KJ Urbanic? You're right. He's off the subject of focus. Okay, so AP Physics. I can't take that till my sophomore year. Why not? Uh, Strawberry High isn't offering it till then. Mrs. Gomez can only teach so many hours. Oh, did I forget to say this part? What? I could have sworn I said it, but maybe it just seemed so obvious to me that I thought it could go unsaid. What? You're not going to Strawberry High. But it's the only high school within a 25-mile radius. Not in Chicago. No. What? Did you think you were going to stay in Strawberry forever, sitting on this rock and telling your dad to take his pills? I'll leave when I go to college. By then it'll be too late. Look, honey, we've run the numbers on this one. If you're going to be the chosen one, you've got to follow the chosen one program. Where am I supposed to live? With your grandparents, obviously. My mom's folks? Yeah, Avo. Haven't you been paying attention for the past 10 years of your life? They want you. You want an education. It's like a mathematically perfect solution. We haven't talked to them in years. They hate us. Correction. They hate your dad. And they take you away from him in a hot millisecond. They've already served him with papers for like their fourth custody attempt. What? Oh, didn't he tell you? The demonstration of harmony made it into the local paper, which made it into the worldwide information superhighway, which means anyone on earth can know just how far your dad has driven into Crazyville. OMG. This is about him. You want to stay because of him. 
calculating? Calculating? What are you calculating? I just processed some ridiculous new information and I need to run the numbers on how it affects our lives. Stop doing that. Stop. Humans make choices. Humans decide what's important to them. If you stay here for him, Annie, he is going to hold you back. You are never going to leave the ground. And how do you know your dad doesn't want you to go, huh? What do you think he'd rather have his daughter around all the time or a direct link to the library of heaven? I won't do it. Um, what? I I'm not going to suddenly move to Chicago just because you tell me to. It's not about my dad. It's, it's not about any one thing. It's a, a, it's a constellation of factors, and, and I won't do it. Okay. You want out, girl? Say the word and you're out. Out? Yeah, out. Shrugging off the mantle, no longer the chosen one of Earth, no guide, no destiny, no link up, no human members of the library, not now and not ever, and it will all be because of you. Don't say that. If we're going to have you, we have to have you 100%. Do you want to serve the library? Yes or no? Yes. Then I need you to go home and make a call. It's not fair. Girl, who said anything about fair? Do you really think we can do this without making some sacrifices? Who's we? Say that again. Seems to me like I make all the sacrifices and you get everything Shut you your mouth, Annie Jump. My whole existence is a sacrifice. You don't want to leave your home? I get that. My home used to be the universe. I was part of the library. I knew everything. I could go everywhere. I ran along the nerves of the galaxies. I was never alone. And then they split me off. They made me into an entity unto myself, and they boxed me up and shipped me to you. Now I am separate from the universe, and I can never, ever, ever go back. Not unless you send me back. So believe me, Annie, no one is more invested in your success than I am. Not even you. Chicago has a dark sky rating of nine. How am I supposed to tell him? I was a thought in the mind of God. Now I'm a toy. I didn't have a choice. You do. Lights up. Dr. Jump sits, surrounded by papers, typing maniacally. Dr. Jump? Young man! Young man, young man, young man, you are here. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for being here on time. Uh, come, 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 come. I didn't know. I made an appointment. You are here for the sheet music, yes? Or do you already have the sheet music? Doesn't matter. It is useful to have extras. Here, distribute these to all the block captains in your precinct. I don't know what a block captain is. But you are the precinct admiral. Definitely not. Curious. Curious. No matter. You can still be a part of the endeavor. We need all the help we can get. Are you talking about the, um, the singing thing? For the aliens? It is the last night of the Perseids, is it not? Yeah, about that. It is so good to see young people taking an interest in the future of our species. My own daughter, she is unusually smart, fantastically bright, but she has a curious blind spot when it comes to SETI, almost a prejudice. Dr. Jump, I'm not here about the singing thing. I'm not doing it. Frankly, I don't think anyone is doing it. <laughs> then why are you here? Because I, I did something wrong, and I'm trying to make it right. Before this whole thing goes any further, Dr. Jump, you, sh you should cancel the Perseids. The facts from the aliens was a hoax. Everyone knows it. Everyone in town is laughing at you. You're the only one who believes. Nonsense. I've been receiving letters of support every day. And the provenance of the facts is quite believable. I wouldn't expect you to understand, but... It's a hoax. 
a trick, a prank. It's just some assholes making fun of you. You have no proof of that. Actually, yeah, I do. He takes out his smartphone and presses a couple of buttons. The fax machine whirs to life. It spits out a piece of paper. Dr. Jump takes it, reads it. I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. He leaves. Daddy? Was someone just here? Ah, yes, he, uh, he came about the demonstration of harmony. Oh, good, cool, um, I'm glad that's going well. Listen, Dad, can I talk to you about something? Of course, Annie. I just talked to Lucia. Your grandmother? Yeah. How did you even get her number? I looked through some of Mom's old stuff. They haven't moved since, you know, old people and their landlines. <laughs> so the number was still good. And we had, we had a really nice talk, which is kind of surprising. Annie, what's all this about? Dad, I've been thinking about things, specifically school. And Mrs. Gomez is great and all, but she's been teaching me since fifth grade, and Strawberry High doesn't really have the kind of resources. And Charles made a big donation to the lab school. When Mom went there, he still has a lot of pull. He thinks they can get me in for the fall. This fall? <sighs> Chicago is... Chicago is a big city. You'll be in a place where you don't know anybody. I, I know, Daddy, but U of C is right there. I can audit college classes. I can get a job in a lab. And Charles said he could pay tuition. And Lucia said she said they dropped the lawsuit since I'd be going anyway. So you don't have to worry about that. Oh, of course. How generous of them. Dad? Do you know what they tried to do to me? They attacked my work. They said I couldn't be your father. They assumed that because they had the money to hire fancy lawyers, they could take you away from me. But I won. I won because you are my daughter. Of course, I'm your daughter. You think they can take care of you better? You think they'd be better? No, it's not that, Daddy. I, I know what I want to do with my life. You want to be a scientist? No! I want to find ETI. I want to be the first human to make contact. I mean, SETI's got everything. Astronomy, physics, it incorporates almost every discipline. And I think I can do it, Daddy. I think it can be me. But there's so much to learn. I have to start right away. I'll start tonight. I'll come out to the field, and I'll watch the Perseids, and I'll sing with you and whoever else shows up. And if it isn't enough and the aliens don't come, well, it doesn't matter. I know we'll find them eventually. I know it. You shouldn't come to the field. What? You shouldn't come to the field. The demonstration of harmony is canceled. Why? Because the aliens aren't coming. There are no aliens. This is it. This is all there is. Daddy, no, it's not true. You can go to Chicago. Don't stay here. There's nothing for you here. Annie paces frantically through the house, searching. I've never seen him like this. Never. It's like he's not even there. What are you looking for? Evidence. He hasn't gone catatonic since he's been in treatment. 
Something has gone seriously wrong. Maybe he's just kind of sad that you're leaving and eventually he'll get over it? He's never given up on SETI before. It's the only thing he believes in. His therapist tried to get him into religion for a while before he decided that aliens were just as good. You're still leaving, right? I don't know. Yeah, I have kind of a big problem right now. I don't have time to talk about the library. There are no bigger problems than the library. You're right. You're right, and there are no bigger solutions either. Althea, I'm going to need you to bend the rules for me. Bend the rules? Let my dad talk to an alien. Oh, Annie. Just think about it. He's not a real scientist and everyone thinks he's crazy. No matter who he tells, no one will believe him. It won't make any difference. If it won't make any difference, then why should I do it? Because it will give him hope. It'll snap him out of this. He'll stay on his meds and then I can go do whatever it is you need me to do without having to worry about him. Just get on the horn with the big papa and fire up your warp drive or whatever secret you're keeping from him, from me and, and tell my dad and send my dad a freaking E.T. Can't do that, Annie. What? Your prime directive? Look, I'm a big deal, right? If I'm about to lose, completely lose my ability to function, it's a big emergency, right? So just go up the chain and ask for temporary reprogramming. It's not my programming. It's not the directive. It's not even the fact that I'm barred from interstellar channels until I can get you to open them. Then what is it? There's no one to talk to, Annie. They're all dead. What do you mean, dead? Link-up takes a long time and a very high degree of technological sophistication. When a species develops the capacity for interstellar communication, it tends to develop other things. Wars, environmental catastrophes. You know what I'm talking about. You see it every day. A tech adolescence is a difficult thing to survive. So the species that built the library, memories in God's mind. We add to the collection constantly, but you're the only living thing I've ever spoken to. And honestly, I don't think you were worth the wait. <laughs> okay, that wasn't funny. We like to joke that all technologically advanced species go to heaven. They send themselves there. <laughs> that wasn't funny either. What's the point? What's the point? What's the point of doing all this work, moving to Chicago, making everyone upset if we're really alone after all? What's the point? The point is the point. It's the point. It's the only point there is. It, in the history of the universe, in the history of the library, has anyone ever, ever lived to see Link Up? No. But that doesn't mean you won't be the first. I can't believe this. I can't freaking believe this! She kicks and stomps. She throws things over. Something rattles. Annie rummages in the mess and pulls out bottle after bottle of pills. Daddy? Daddy? Daddy. Daddy, look at me. Look at me. How long? How many months? She sets the pill bottles in front of him, one by one. Two months? Three? How long, Dad? How long? Oh, crap, 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 crap! Pick up the phone. Okay, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Pick up the pick up. Pick up, Doctor Ford. Maybe you should call the police. No, no, they'll, they'll put him in the hospital again. He's not going back to that place. He needs his doctor. He he trusts her. She can get him through. She can get through to him. Oh God, I don't know what to do. I need an adult. I'm several billion years old, and I think you should call the police. Shut, shut up! Oh my God, where is she? She always answers her cell. And what time is it? It's five p.m. It's Friday. Holy crap! I know where she is. 
Stay here, Althea. She takes the eight ball and puts it on a table. What? I'm gonna go get Dr. Ford. I need you to stay here. Stay here and do what? Keep an eye on him. I don't want to stay here, Annie. I don't like this. You really do things backwards, Dr. Jump. She's supposed to be your daughter. She's the teenager. You're supposed to be taking care of her. Do you know how important Annie is? How special? As far as you and I are concerned, she's the most important thing on earth. And yet you sit there, holding her back, making her crazy, tying up your, her brain with your pathetic little life. You're selfish, Dr. Jump, and that's why you'll never get your wish. The Library of Heaven will never come to you. You'll die alone, and you'll be forgotten. Dr. Jump reaches out and takes one of the pill bottles. What are you doing? Oh, okay. You're getting back on your medication. I'm not sure this is the best way to stabilize your brain chemistry right now, but it's a good step. At least you're being proactive. Oh, probably one is enough. Uh, okay, two is definitely enough. You should wait for the doctor to come back before. Three is definitely too much. This would be defined as too much lives. No, those are sedatives. That's a sedative. Stop, please stop. You are edging into overdose territory. You are striding into overdose territory. Annie, Annie, OMG, Dr. Jump, stop it. Stop it right now. I take everything back that I said. Your daughter needs you. I need you. If you're dead, she'll be so deeply traumatized that she'll be useless to me and I'll be stuck on earth forever. Please, please hear me. Look at me. I am an alien intelligence and I am right here communicating with you and begging you to stop. Stop taking those pills. Annie, Annie, please hurry. This isn't my fault. This is your fault. Keep an eye on him. What am I supposed to do besides watch? I can't pick up the phone. I can't make him hear me. I can't stop him. The only thing I can manipulate is... She looks at her hand. She's holding the eight ball. She looks at Dr. Jump. She thwacks him in the head with the eight ball. He slumps to the floor. I just have to reiterate, Annie, that my yoga time is very important to my mental well-being, and I really don't appreciate it. Annie, Annie! Dr. Ford! Dr. Ford! Oh, my God. Call an ambulance! Lights up on a hospital room. <coughs> Dad, you're awake. Annie. It, it's me. It's me. What time is it? Peak Perseids. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. There's nothing to be sorry for, Dad. You're fine. There is everything to be sorry for. Oh, Dad. You should try to go back to sleep. No. No time to sleep. I want to look at you. Oh, Dad. I'm selfish. I'm weak, and I'm selfish, and I'm not good enough for you, Annie. You should have had better than me. I don't want better than you. I want you. Why did you go off your meds? Selfish. I can't think as well, as bright, or as fast. It makes it harder for me to believe. To leave Earth. And I wanted to leave Earth. That's terrible. No, it makes perfect it's sense. It's terrible. No one should want to leave Earth. I mean, just look at it. It's got some good points. Strawberry, Kansas. Wonder of wonders. 
You are here. You remember that. Yeah. You'd point at the Kansas State map, and then you'd point at the atlas, and then the globe, and then the picture of the galaxy. Here. 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 I didn't think you'd remember that. That was before your mother died. Oh. I guess it was. That was kind of a big deal, wasn't it? The biggest deal. Oh, that was the worst time. They took you away from me for a while. They didn't want to give you back. Dad? It's okay. It's not going to happen again. I don't care what they say. I don't care if they sue. They can't win. No one's ever going to take you away from me again. Hmm. <laughs> Charles is dropping the lawsuit. What? I spoke to Lucia. She's very impressed with you. She's looking forward to seeing you in person again after all this time. Dad? You probably don't even remember Chicago, but it's a beautiful city. When I'm better, I can drive you over, take you shopping for supplies. Dad, no. I can't buy you much, but I can't afford pencils. I'm not going. Annie, I've discussed this with Dr. Ford. I need to focus on getting better, and I need to take care of you the best way that I can. And Charles and Lucia, they want to help me do that. I'll still have full custody. The whole thing is entirely voluntary. But it's not what you want, is it? No. But it's what you want. If you can look <clears throat> me in the eye and tell me that you don't want this for yourself, I will let you make that decision. Annie, can you look me in the eye? Dad. You'll have every advantage at that school. You'll be able to spread your wings, rise to your full potential. I won't have the stars. I won't have you. Oh, be practical, woman. Do you think Isaac Newton would ever say anything so patently absurd? Isaac Newton was a terrible person. <laughs> and you're not. I know you have big dreams, Annie. And I know you want to make me happy. But have you ever considered that those two things might not be mutually exclusive? Oh, don't get all emotional about this. You're a teenager. It's like going away to boarding school. Millions of people do it every year, and they come back every summer. And every Christmas. You'll come home for Christmas, won't you? Every summer, and Christmas, and Thanksgiving, and spring. <laughs> I just want to say, in my defense, that even when the mania had its strongest hold, I was... Never completely certain that it wasn't a hoax. How uncertain were you? Let's just say that my initial calculations put the probability that it was not a hoax somewhere well south of one thousandth of one percent. Really? Then how come you made that speech? How come you worked so hard to make this crazy thing happen if you were almost completely certain that it was a joke? Because what if it wasn't, Annie? What if it wasn't? I'm a life form existing on planet Earth. Out of the 4% of matter that can even interact with itself, I am part of the infinitesimally smaller percentage that can think and speak and feel. I've had a wife. I have a daughter. 
with luck like that, one millionth of one percent is all I need. Dad? Yes, Annie? That's, it's nothing. I'm just really glad you're here. Peak Perseids. You can kind of see them out the window. The light is bad, but still. Oh, look. Oh, there. Oh, there. <laughs> oh, wow, that was a big one. If we can see them from here, they must be spectacular out in the field. Annie, could you possibly... Would you sing me a little something? You know I suck at singing. Do not. You had the solo in your school choir concert. That was years ago. My voice is all different now and... No, it isn't. I hear you singing in the shower sometimes, and you have the most beautiful voice in the world. I, I don't even know any songs. You remember your solo, don't you? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, this is ridiculous. It's a stupid kid song. I don't know. I always thought it was very pretty. Somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight Someone's thinking of me and loving me tonight Somewhere out there someone saying a prayer that we'll find one another in that big somewhere out there and even though dad listen it's the strawberries they're singing how many it, it sounds like dozens. It sounds like a hundred. They did it. They did it anyway. They did it for you. Annie, go. Run. Go to Hamlin's Field and see if it happens. See if what happens? A communication. An answer. But, Daddy, it's a hoax. You know who said that fax. Annie, go quickly. You know it won't happen. But, Annie, what if it does? You're right, Dad. Of course, you're right. I'll go over there right now. Dad? Yes, Annie? Even if it doesn't happen tonight, I'm going to keep looking. And I know. I can't tell you how I know, and I don't have any way of proving it to, do, to you. But I know it like I know grass is green and water is H2O. I have the answer. We're not alone. Hamlin's Field. Perseids whiz overhead. The sound of laughter, snatches of songs, flashlights move like fireflies. There's a star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'll blow our minds. There's a star man. Oh. Hola, buenas noches, buenos dias, whatever. I really don't care. How's my little genius bug? <laughs> Are you enjoying the Perseus? You're amazing. You're amazing. <gasps> oh my gee, did did you bring your magic eight ball out here? Yeah. Mrs. Gomez picks up the eight ball and waves it around. <laughs> Woo! 
saying? You are going to dominate the state science fair. They will never see you coming. <laughs> oh, you're a special little girl, Annie Jump, and you will go far, real far. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is the best party I have been to in a decade. <laughs> Wait, where else can you see fireworks like this? I think a cluster uh, is starting. Uh, oh, watch for it! Ooh, ooh, zing! 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 <laughs> <sighs> they don't have anything like this in Chicago. We should do this every year. You know, I mean, come out here together as a community, sing together. I mean, it is amazing how many songs you can think of to sing when you're in the mood. <laughs> but I'm going to stay out here till dawn. I am going to make out with my husband, and it is just going to be... Where is Mr. Gomez? Oh, he's getting supplies. We needed su uh, supplies. <coughs> Oh my goodness, this is going to be the best night of all time in all eternity. I mean, everyone is so out here, so together. I mean, Peter Stockholm just recited a Lorca poem to me in Espanol. Like, out of nowhere, I don't think I know anything anymore. Isn't it great? <laughs> Well, uh, oh, I see my car pulling up with my husband in it. I am going to get back to my grown-up things, and you can get back to your like your hopes and and your dreams and all the little baby genius crap you do inside your head for the future of humanity. And I'll just, oh, Alonzo, Alonzo, I'm over here. She really believes in you, and she doesn't even know I'm the chosen one. Yeah. Oh. Hey, look sharp. Incoming douche nozzle. Annie? Yeah, who is it? It's KJ, Kenneth Jerome Urbanic. The weak, mean follower without any empathy who will never amount to anything. Oh, yeah. Um, about that, I should apologize. I might have been slightly too harsh. No, I deserved every word of it. Listen, I know you must think what happened tonight is my fault. No, I don't. I really don't. I mean, you had something to do with it, but the situation is complex. And honestly, you really aren't that important. Still, I feel culpable, and I want to do something about it. You want to do something about it? I want to tell you something. Oh, Quark. I'm not supposed to tell people this, and I don't have any way of proving it, but I can't think of any other way to show you how sorry I am. So here goes. No stopping it now. Your dad... Isn't that crazy? Something happened to me a few days ago on the first night of the Perseids, and I found out that we are not alone in this universe, okay? How, how best to explain this? I, I don't have any graphics, so imagine what would happen if every intelligent species that developed interstellar communication pooled their knowledge into a network of supercomputers that then became self-aware as one vast supercomputer, becoming like a nervous system or a brain for the universe that contained every piece of information about the universe. Something like a god that was also a library... The library of heaven. You're a librarian. I'm the chosen one. 
Great work, Balthasar. Fantastic control over your subject there. You're the... Althea? What? Link-up is a huge job. We're in an intergalactic, omniscient supercomputer. Do you think we'd rely on just one kid to get it done? We're not stupid. How many? Uh, right now? 3,000, give or take. Not everyone says yes. The idea is to make you feel important, you know? So you'll work harder. Of course. How could I be so dumb? You need, you need astronomers and physicists and computer programmers. You need biologists and linguists and a hundred Einsteins, a hundred Newtons. There's no way anyone could do it alone. Who are you talking to? My guide, KJ. I'm talking to my guide. OMG, you have a starhound too? What's a starhound? You know, a talking dog. That's actually a visual manifestation of a mind furl of an intergalactic supercomputer. And, and he lives inside a probe that looks like a frisbee. You got a talking dog? His name is Balthazar. He gets an adorable talking dog and I get you? You love it. This is so unfair! Wait, Annie, are you, are you saying that... Are you saying that you're some kind of chosen one, too? Get with it, KJ. We're basically all chosen ones. All across the globe. India, England, China, South Africa. Sporting equipment is falling from the skies in blazes of light and teenage geniuses are vowing to serve the library of heaven. We're not the chosen ones. We're one of the chosen thousands. Surprise! Oh, 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 dude, dude, dude. Oh, don't do that. It, oh, it's, it's, it's not so bad. I mean, sure, you're not the most special snowflake on the planet, but still, out of everyone on Earth, there are only a few thousand of us. That's pretty special, right? Oh, come on, don't be upset. I'm not upset. It's just, I didn't know I had so many friends. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I found out. I'm Annie Jump, and I am a librarian of heaven. One of the librarians of heaven. And this whole story is about us. So this is the part where the credits roll and there's an upbeat pop song and a bunch of cartoons about the adventures of three teenagers and one talking dog. You mean the end. Right. The end. But before you go, I want you to remember one thing about the librarians. There are thousands of us. You might know one of us. You might be one of us. And if you think you recognize me Girl, somewhere on this earth, out so that you the only song have can one start. thing to say. I serve the Library of Heaven! Credits. Cartoons about the science adventures of three teenagers and one talking dog. It's starting to make sense Hold on now Cause you can't be on the fence And things aren't what they seem And it's just like my dream And I need you on my Need you on my Need you on my team And we I'm a dog from another dimension. Throw me a bone, no, that's not a suggestion. Pure like Purina, chewing like chow. Eat the space between us with some doggy know-how. No collar on me, just a collar ID. Get back to you, fetching you to me. Ready to unleash, learn, and to teach. Old dogs, new tricks, nothing we can't teach. We could find each other. 
thank you. Uh, Benjamin, take it away. I could tell you that I'm doing just fine without you. I could tell you that I'm done writing songs about you. So I think I'll go to outer space and beep boop beep boop beep goes a spaceship beep boop beep boop beep goes an alien beep boop beep boop beep I can face it beep boop beep boop beep I'm failing like beep 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 I'd flatline if you were mine This song is from my kids' album. You can find it at princessbackpack.com. It's me and my talking backpack, Princess Backpack. And this song I wrote with some third graders about trying to stay up late um, so that you can be away from your parents, kind of.
Thanks, everybody. Let's talk to you about your beautiful play. Thank what, you. What, in fact, would the world be missing if it didn't have this play? So, in a small town in Iowa, there is a plaque that reads, in this place on March 22nd, 2228, future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk. I found this out like a month ago, and uh, it, it moved me a lot um, because I found it kind of amazing that that we have this kind of hope um, for this future that we imagined with very little evidence, um, but we're still holding on to this idea that in just a, a couple hundred years, uh, someone could be born who could be a star a, a starship captain, right? Um, I also happen to know that this uh, plaque was put up in the town, sort of as a way to boost tourism by the you know the mayor and like the the commerce council. And uh, I kind of love that like um, our sort of like highest impulse impulses are are married with our 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 basest impulses uh in that way and uh so i brought this up right because um i think part of science fiction does a lot of things um and one of the things that it does is imagine our future uh and uh and i think it can imagine our future a lot of ways and one of the ways it can imagine it is with hope and i and i do think that hope is a choice um not always a well-supported choice, but it is a choice you can make. Um, and I think that I, I, I hope that this play provides that for some people on this earth. So yeah, I guess if it wasn't without this play, it would have like a tiny little bit less of, of that, uh, of that impulse. Also, uh, there would be one less, uh, story about uh teenage girls who are good at science so that's another thing and <laughs> yeah and yeah no we can't have that we need more yeah, more of those more. stories and yeah and yeah we would also have that like in the play we'd have that tiny little fraction of a percent less hope and that little tiny fraction of a percent matters and i think that your play does contain that beautiful hope which I think is what was so exciting to both Ivan and I about it originally. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, to talk a little bit more about the play and about some of the themes and possibly some of the science in the play, um, we invited an astrophysicist that you knew. Um, so yes. we're going to speak with her now. Her name is Ruth Angus. Ruth, come on up here. And Hello. Let's give her a round of applause. Is one of these microphones going to work? Hello, Hello Ruth. Hi. Ruth, please tell the people what, what it is, you the wonderful things that you do. Okay. <laughs> so my name is Dr. Ruth Angus. I am a postdoc at Columbia University, and I work on stars and planets. Um, and specifically, I'm interested in discovering new planets, orbiting other stars, light years away, many, many light years away, away from the Earth. 
Uh, and I'm really interested in exploring the possibility of life on other planets as a real science reality, not just science fiction. That's so amazing. So Dr. Ruth is extremely cool. I shouldn't call you Dr. Ruth. That's somebody else. Dr. Angus. I'm a star therapist. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. great. How, How much of this play then is science fiction and how much of it could be possible? Could the entire play be possible and there is a library of heaven right now? Is it entirely... So I think, like some of the best science fiction, it takes uh, real plausible ideas that are going on, you know, that are science, not just science fiction, and it heightens them. So this idea of a library of heaven is based on a a network of intelligence, um, and specifically supercomputers. I think it's sort of um, channeling this idea of using neural networks and deep learning, which is uh, a huge... Uh, topic at the moment in astronomy, in machine learning, in computer science, in like very, uh, really broad ranging uh, array of sciences. Um, One reason in which it's definitely going to stay a fiction, unfortunately, is that using a network of objects, it makes sense that you would be able to sort of develop some intelligent system from a network of objects. That's how the brain works. It's a network of neurons uh, communicating with each other. But if you amplify that to astronomical scales, unfortunately, you're going to be uh, hampered by this finite speed of light. So it would be a brain that would operate on incredibly long timescales, which would be perhaps plausible in a universe that lasts for a very, very long time on which, you know, maybe if time is on a different scale, perhaps that's plausible, but not in this universe. Maybe it would take like a very long view of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we were all like... Just trying to save the concept. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in, in The Lord of the Rings, maybe it would work for the Ents. Mm. Ent-like. Universe, excellent. <laughs> Getting those references in there. <laughs> that was such a nerdy place to take that. I'm sorry. I thought we couldn't get nerdier tonight. <laughs> All right, but fair we enough. can. Fair no, fair I loved enough. it. I loved it. <laughs> we want to marry this, the fantasy in here. We uh-huh. can't. We can't just have it be sci-fi. We have to have both. So I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fantasy person more than a sci-fi person myself, honestly. So I'm quite glad that you mm-hmm. that you brought in uh, some Tolkien. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of. Um, great like realistic science in the play as well uh you know it's very curricular (laughs) um just so anyone listening who wants to know if this play is curricular Mm -hmm. wants to know it is (laughs) yeah yeah i mean black holes are a hot topic right now and black holes feature in the play uh because annie is interested in knowing what's inside a black hole and uh althea says that she can't answer it because she's not allowed to, but I'm pretty sure she just doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I don't think anyone will ever be able to know what's inside a black hole. Why are black holes hot right now? Um, well, there was a press release uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a few days ago, depending on when this podcast comes out, um, that... Uh, talked about a new discovery of a merging black hole binary pair, a pair of black holes merging. Um, Uh. Did anyone hear about that? No, that's so cool. 
Um, I don't know whether things really like escape my personal bubble of astronomy in yeah. th into the wider world. Um, so two black holes merged. They that merger created enormous ripples in space-time. These ripples are called gravitational waves. They were predicted by Einstein. And those waves traveled um, millions of light years across the universe and then finally reached Earth. And we detected them three times using three different gravitational wave detectors. Um, more recently, we found a merger between two neutron stars. Neutron stars are a sort of less massive flavor of a dead star, uh, but still in incredibly massive. Um, and this particular merger was also detected in electromagnetic radiation, so in X-rays and optical light. So that was a really, really big uh, discovery because We've never before seen both gravitational waves and electromagnetic radiation, so it's great to be able to pin the two things together. They were from the same, they were from different phenomenon, though. Uh, no, they were from the same phenomenon. Oh. So the gravitational waves, there, are, there are two were two press releases very recently. Uh -huh. The first one was for merging black holes. They detected the gravitational waves. The second one was for merging neutron stars. They detected the gravitational waves for those, which was a massive coup because we've never, we didn't know that we could detect gravitational waves from a neutron star merger. Neutron stars are a lot less massive than black holes. But we also saw this electromagnetic radiation from the neutron star merger. Yeah. Um, Sorry if this is like getting too specific, but I, it's just fascinating. When you say merger, what? Mm. How does a black hole merge? They don't collide, or they don't suck one up into the other. They like merge like Time Warner Cable and Spectrum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an acquisition. <laughs> yes. Um, we so we don't know what is created when two black holes merge. Uh, uh, presumably, another giant black hole, even bigger than the two uh, individually. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't really know. We just know the process of merging. We, we know how to model it. We know how to use uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity to understand what that would look like and what kind of single signal it would produce. Um, the neutron stars, when they merge too, we don't know, does it produce a black hole? Does it produce... Uh, a more massive neutron star. We, our models are sort of uh, break down around those very, very large masses. When I talk about things being massive, I talk. I mean things with lots of mass, not things that are big. Um, so yeah, we don't know. The world of black holes is really unknown. It is still literally very dark because mm. we don't understand a lot of what's going on. The physics involved are too intense. So. Um, there's a bit of a reference in the title of the play, and uh, we thought maybe we might ask you to talk a bit about that. There's lots of references throughout, but there's one kind of large one right in the title. Yeah, so <coughs> uh, I, I was really excited about uh, this play because Annie Jump Cannon is one of the most famous female astronomers and there aren't very many famous female astronomers. You really have to pick from like, you know, a dozen. Um, 
Annie Jump Cannon was one of the Harvard computers. So in the early 20th century, Annie, as well as Henrietta Swan Levitt, Wilhelmina Fleming, uh, and a, a group of about 20 women were performing computational tasks at the Harvard Obs uh, College Observatory. So they were mapping the positions of stars, they were measuring their brightnesses. Um, and Annie was the first person to realize that the spectra of stars, the elements that we see in the stars themselves, are reflective of how massive those stars are. So Annie really completely revolutionized astronomy in the beginning of the 20th century. And some of the discoveries that Annie made are still incredibly relevant to astronomy today. And her co-worker, Henrietta, Henrietta Swan Levitt, she discovered variable stars. Um, in Henrietta's paper where she, um, sorry, she didn't discover variable stars. She discovered a very important relation involving variable stars, which we... Oh no, should I correct that in the play? No, do you say she discovered variable stars in the I play? I kind of do. I sh I'll, cor I'll correct it. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, put s I'll put in some more nuance. <laughs> um, so she discovered this relation that these variable stars change in brightness uh, very repetitively. They actually are oscillating. They're getting bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller, and they're going getting brighter and fainter as a result. And they do that... Uh, in a way that depends on their mass. So more massive stars have a different rate of change than the less massive stars. And that means we know how far away they are. And it was this discovery that led Hubble to conclude that the universe is expanding. So a really, really important step in astronomical research. Henrietta Swan Levitt is the person responsible. And uh, Pickering, the director of the Harvard College Observatory at the time, actually had to write a preface to her paper saying, I know this paper was written by a woman, but you must take it seriously because it's really important science. Um, and Henrietta Swan Levitt, I read her paper, that very paper where she announces this relation that she discovered, and it is possibly a comment on how little astronomy has changed over the last hundred years, but you can understand every word as if it was a scientific paper written today. Astronom astronomers are a little bit like, they use archaic language and it doesn't change very quickly. So <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's really interesting that it's all still the same. She talks about stars of the 15th magnitude and we still use that language in astronomy. Um, but so Henrietta and Annie were two of the most influential astronomers, full stop. And they also happened to be female. Fantastic. <laughs> Was there any significance to the name Ophia? Oh, I think it means it's, it doesn't mean it's a uh, truth. It's like Greek maybe for truth. Maybe. I think so. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's, I'll be honest, I stole the idea that it means truth from like Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials trilogy, so <laughs> I didn't like look it up. Um, <laughs> I just thought, I, I, I wanted like a, 
I wanted a fancy girl name and then Althea popped into my head and I was like that's great because that means truth I'm, I'm pretty sure it does again I'm really pulling it from his dark materials like mm-hmm. I could look it up I, I feel I feel good about it yeah and, and like to be clear I think um the the reference the Annie Jump canon reference is kind of external mm-hmm. Annie's last name is Jump so you know it's it's kind of a fun coincidence for her but uh her dad I, I don't think changed his last name to jump to that. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a, it's a reference that I put in because I thought it sounded um, kind of fun and YA-ish in a, like an American like sci-fi way, like Harry Potter, which is like British and magic sounding, and like Annie Jump is like American and like dynamic sci-fi sounding. Um, so yeah, because it's it's a great name, and I'm, and uh, I'm I'm it's always really. Uh, fun um when when scientists get excited about it too yeah (laughs) Um, because not everyone gets the reference but the people it's a nice little easter egg for us yeah yeah there's lot there's lots of little references i think Uh, some of them correct some of them probably not there's you talked uh about um einstein predicting gravitational waves Mm -hmm. there's an incredibly subtle reference to to that here it's not actually meant to be it's 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 annie's uh gmail password (laughs) Uh, I try. I tried to make that. I looked. I you, it could be inaccurate, but I used like a Star Trek thing to tell me what date that would what star date that would be, and I made oh. that her Gmail password. So it's so a, cool. It's a it's a super deep cut. It's not actually possible to to catch that reference, but I put it in there anyway. <laughs> oh wow, that that would be some real intense <laughs> Easter egg hunting if someone came up with that. Some of these are just for me. Most <laughs> things I do. Um, so I, when we, um, talk to kids, we ask a couple of questions to kids <laughs> and, um, I thought I would ask them to you too, uh, because, uh, I don't know, I guess a childlike wonder about the world is important in being a scientist. Sure. She's nodding. She, she, she does not, uh, buy that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the first one is, um, uh, if you had a guide, what would your guide be like? Okay, uh, this is um, a really hard question um, because I um, I would like to say that it would be my sort of role model in in science, um, and I it I don't know. I mean, who, who my role model would be? Like maybe my uh, a-level physics teacher, but um, I don't know, maybe Professor Brian Cox. Um, but I mean, really, I think I I don't particularly have any strong role models in astronomy because um, most astronomers, famous astronomers out there are like white dudes. Um, and so I think that this, you know, is a really important point that this play really touches very nicely on, which is that we need more role models that look like us because we have to, you know, aspire to be some something that we admire and relate to. Um, and so I love the relationship between Althea and Annie. Althea is clearly this role model for Annie, and she's she is what Annie desires to be too. Annie clearly desires to be a this all-knowing person with fantastic hair. (laughs) Um, And um, 
yeah, I I loved, by the way, the nice reference to mansplaining that you had in the <laughs> day. Where, I yeah. thought that was, I've heard um, astronomers say that that exact thing, that like that, that, that particular one happens. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Mansplaining? Well, have you been ever told, that, have you ever been told by someone like unhearing, this is like literally I've read this, like, women have said i tell somebody at a party that i'm an astrophysicist and then they tell me that we're all made of stars <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you've ever gotten that exact one <laughs> yeah th- i mean that maybe not that specifically but that sort of thing for sure happens all the time and it, i mean it doesn't just happen at parties it happens at conferences you might be giving a talk and somebody will think that they know better than you and they'll stand up and they'll correct you in front of hundreds of people. Um, oh dear. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it happens all the time. Um, unfortunately, that is a, a consequence perhaps um, of the fact that within astronomy and many scientific fields, the older generations, the people who are tenured, the people who have the most uh, grant money, the most control, tend to be men. Uh, and really, in astronomy especially, uh, there are at, at the senior level, there's maybe 10% of the, of the sort of tenured academics are women. So that really is kind of making an uneven playing field for us to begin with. Down at the student level and postdoc level, it's much more like 50-50. Um, so yeah, mansplaining definitely happens all the time. So, you know, this... Um, this play is is really really important for encouraging women to go into science and it will science and science fiction let's not belittle science fiction Sci- science starts out as science fiction so much of it you know we wouldn't be inspired to go and explore the planets in the solar system we wouldn't be inspired to try to reach stars that are our nearest neighbors searching for life without science fiction so it's really important that we keep innovating and innovating in ways that will inspire future scientists to, c- to come along and to build a library of heaven and to build a enormous mind out of uh, intergalactic uh, telecommunications. Um, so uh, who would be my guide? I don't know. Um, uh, you would be my guide. Stop! <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, That's thank you. I'm yeah. not going to be able to give you any. I, I can't really do math, but um, <laughs> or I know and I keep forgetting everything that I learned in order to write plays. But I uh, thank you. That was that was a very sweet thing to say. Please edit all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's also probably a really touching spot to end on, and a really nice sentiment. Okay. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean for it to get so soppy. At oh the end. no, no, I no! W- it was lovely, and I think you're right. I think this play is really important, and um, I I hope a lot of people listen to it and are inspired by it. I I think that. I think that because it has that hope that we were talking about a little bit earlier, it it's yeah, it's just a good example in Annie Jump is a great role model. Um she's strong and inquisitive and um 
cares about her family, even though they don't maybe necessarily deserve that care. It's just a really touching and, and wonderful play. And just thank you so much for sharing it with all of us. It was really wonderful. Thank you for recording this and bringing us all together here uh, tonight in Brooklyn in the fall. Thank you. Stop it! Yeah. Um, thank you all again for joining us tonight at Cloud City for Raina Hardy's uh, Annie Jump and the Library of Heaven. Um, tonight's episode was directed by Rudy Ramirez. Rudy Ramirez. Oh, the wonderful Rudy Ramirez from Austin, Texas. And we were joined uh, on keyboard and vocals by Benjamin Weiner. Um, the Parsnipship is produced at Cloud City by Play Machine and Business Lunch Productions. And we want to thank um, our Play Machine uh, team, uh, Katie Donnelly, our producing director, um, Sienna Gonzalez, our marketing associate, and Rye Seelong, our production associate. And we want to thank Luke DeCola for our audio engineering and editing this evening, and Jesse Manning for producing. And I think I, I think I thanked Cloud City. Um, so, oh, the the dog that's laying on the stage right now, we'll thank him too. And There's been a really cute dog here this whole there time. There has been a really cute dog laying uh, in different parts of the stage <laughs> all evening. Um, and thank you at home for listening. Thank you for uh, subscribing and downloading our podcast. And we hope you have a great rest of your day, morning, night, or evening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 